It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm just thinking back to the game between the U.S. and Iran. Such a mixed reaction. There were many in Iran, uh, many in the audience, even players who uh, cheered loudly. They they were ecstatic when America won uh, in a form of a message uh, to the Ayatollahs, to the IRGC, to the rulers uh, and the brutal rulers of that country. Even to the point of tragedy, one of the players' friends was shot by security forces and killed. That's reality on the ground, a reality that seems to escape the Biden administration uh, and the various people who want to get back into a form of the JCPOA, uh, this plan of action, uh, not really a treaty, never was. Walid Fares joins me. Uh, his new book, Iran, an Imperialistic Republic and U.S. Policy. Uh, Walid, just, you know, those tragic examples, constant protests. We see and hear the news from time to time. Uh, sometimes it makes it into the top of news. But where we are today and where they are today, uh, where are we? Well, thank you for having me, uh, David. Yes, indeed, you used the actual key words. This is a tragedy. But this is a tragedy that we see now in the news, a lot on social media, uh, more even so on radio shows. But in the news, we start seeing them because they are unescapable. And this is not the first revolt. You and I discussed it years ago. There was one in 2009 that former President Obama has ignored has abandoned, there were one million people in the streets, and the regime then, David, was able to shut down social media, including the famous Twitter. So they were not able to message the entire world properly. And the second one was in 2019, uh, which was large, but effectively what was happening in the U.S., and you know more than others, uh, we had internal problems here. We had an all-out assault on administration that was about to begin with the, uh, what happened in 2020 and, uh, and of course, uh, COVID-19. But now, this revolution, I call it already revolution, David, uh, is different. It is led by women. It is backed by girls, teenagers. All the minorities are in. That's Kurds, Baluch, Azeris, Arabs, etc. So you are right when you mention that the administration, the Biden administration currently, is not there yet. Of course, there are some statements made, very general. It does not really match reality on the ground. Is that the Iranian people reject this regime and they want to change it. You know, in the, all the years, and wow, I'm thinking about almost a couple of decades now of uh, you and others being even more forceful, more out there on this. What we haven't seen at times here in the U.S. is an evolution of understanding. 
you cannot continue to give those in power the ayatollahs the the uh you know the the weaponization uh, against the people by the IRGC the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps and and their various supporters around the world you cannot continue to give them carrots and you cannot continue to ignore what they're really doing not only at home but abroad largest state sponsor of terrorism so if you and I know this many in this audience know this from you know the years of coverage with others you and others what is it that washington is missing there are two things there is the washington of uh, you know observers and journalists and academics and you know analysts they are missing the the reality and the nature of this regime this is not a just an authoritarian normal authoritarian regime this is basically a dictatorship which is totalitarian and their project is to transform their society into an islamist society we know that arab and muslims now are gathering around the abraham accord uh saudi uae egypt bahrain others and israel have formed this coalition so the larger chunk of the arab and muslim world is going in one direction which is towards peace and stability and eventually they're going to modernize look at dubai and other places that's one but the other part of the middle east uh, which is uh, managed by the Iran regime that controls Iran and Iraq and Syria and Lebanon and parts of Yemen. And obviously, we have discussed in the past the Muslim Brotherhood, Ikhwan uh, movement. That part of the Middle East wants to go backward. They want to limit and if not reduce and eliminate the rights of women. Hence, what's happening in Iran, the rights of minorities, Kurds and, and, and others, and in Sudan. We had that discussion before. They, want, they wanted to get uh, the, the, the identity of Africans out of the game, and that ended up in a secession of southern Sudan. So this struggle is not well known among these observers. They are now shocked to see that there are millions of youth in Iran. And in Iran, the youth are 70% of the population who are demonstrating, accusing this regime, which since 1979 has been suppressing those liberties. And one question I always receive, you know, uh, before the book and since the book uh, is about to appear, why is it that several administrations were not able to contain Iran? What was the secret? And this is what I detail in the book, is that Iran was maneuvering us, was actually outmaneuvering us by making proposals that they are willing to cut a deal. Hence, the beginning, the origin of the term, the Iran deal in return that we don't take action against their excesses. So that's what basically and unfortunately happened since 2009. Uh, you know, there was a consensus between Democrats and Republicans. They fight on everything. But on, on Iran, till about 2009, there was a consensus that this is a bad actor. But uh, policy, U.S. policy under the two terms of the Obama administration, I have to say it, uh, changed U- traditional U.S. policy and looked at the Iran regime as a partner. That's the drama. That's the tragedy, in my view. There is also the influence there, various other organizations in the U.S., CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, their support of major political figures, you know, like Ilan Omar and others, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, so there, there's a lot going on there that, and I still, I get your point, Waleed, but I don't, 
when I say I don't understand, you know, why they won't evolve the policy as a generation, to your point, continues to evolve, especially the younger and the women who are, you know, leading in many ways this revolution. Let's go into the region and what's going on there. Why, for example, uh, why are they focused on the Kurds? That's an excellent question. I've been following this also for uh, decades. The Iran regime fear that the Kurds of Iran, who are somewhere between six to seven million, who have a whole, who inhabit a large area that has borders with Iraq. It has borders with Iraqi Kurdistan. So their back is sort of backed by the Kurds of uh, Iraq and the Kurds of Syria. On top of it, we are, we like it or not, but practically on the ground, protecting the Kurds of Iraq. We have a presence there, and the Kurds of eastern Syria. So the concern of Tehran, of the regime, is that uh, the Kurds could uprise against the center, against uh, the regime, and then demand autonomy. And they will be backed by their own uh, ethnic Kurds in the region. So they have been putting a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on the uh, Kurdish cities and towns and uh, uh, not allowing them to enjoy their own freedoms. I mean, how more symbolic do you want that Masa Amini, the young Iranian Kurdish uh, woman who was killed during uh, this period, I mean, two months ago, uh, you know, originates from Kurdistan. So there is a determination in Iran to stop the Kurds from acquiring or reacquiring their culture, their freedom, and certainly not their autonomy. My guest, Walid Fares, the uh, discussion, Iran, and, you know, let's move right into this, this deal, uh, Walid. Uh, there, there's so much else to be discussed here, but why and how would, whether since the Obama-Biden administration to now and pretty much the same players, why and how can they justify or try to justify doing a deal with Iran. Iran simply, well, they simply cheat. Well, let me go. Let me take your audience uh, back to the origin, to the genesis of this matter. Uh, what we have skipped, not understood during the 90s. And I've been teaching political science for the last 32 years. When the Soviet Union collapsed, there was a whole network of radical, I call them neo-Bolsheviks, you know, the far left, part of which became woke, Another part became, you know, uh, pro-radicals in the Middle East. That part lost its support from the Soviet Union. So they shopped around. Who did they find as a rogue anti-American regime in the region? The Iranian regime. So without the American public realizing, they have been influencing and penetrating entities that are at the essence of how op political opinion forms in the United States, and namely, for example, academia. So this whole story of let's consider the Islamic Republic as a potential partner, this is a force of change, all of that happened over the past 30 years, specifically after 9-11. Why am I saying after 9-11? Because the Iran regime, after U.S. interventions in Afghanistan and bringing down the Taliban, bringing down Saddam Hussein, feared that there will be an uprising inside Iran. They knew exactly what their population feel. So they started to influence our elites. I'm talking about under the Bush administration and then under, of course, the Obama administration. And they created a support group. That's why you mentioned, for example, the media. 
our good friends in the media, when they write, the experts who feed them with the information and analysis are all graduates from classrooms. These classrooms have been influenced long time ago. And you look at the budgets coming to Middle East study. The story is very long. I explain it in the book. The bottom line is that the new administration that was the, the Obama administration in 2009 changed the whole direction of U.S. policy, not just on Iran, uh, on the Muslim Brotherhood, on the Islamists in, in, in general. And this is why it's not about what you see. I mean, our intelligence agencies know very well. They have the facts what the Iranian regime is doing, but it stops there. Then above them, there is a national security level, a national security level of administrations. Under the Obama eight years, that national security level concluded that we could do a deal with the Iran regime, despite the fact that that regime is not really liked by their population. That's the origin. And there is another element I could introduce here that we could expand on, which it's very, very troubling to me. You have financial interest in the United States companies, financial interests, who wants to go into the Iran market, which is normal in a capitalist country. That's how we work. The problem was that they were promised by the regime, these interests, that if you lobby enough to cut a deal with Washington, you will have what you want in Iran, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Iraq, and elsewhere. So you have two reasons. One is the far left American and Western far left moving along with the Iranians, and that was a big mistake. And second, you have financial interest in America and in Europe, obviously, who decided that they're going to, the price to go inside Iranian market in the Middle East is to cut a deal with that regime. This is why the Obama administration, and now, as you said, uh, David, the Biden administration team that is dealing with Iran is so stubborn, so stubborn in going back. And everybody is asking me, including in the Middle East, why do they want to go back to the Iran deal? And don't you see what's happening, that the population doesn't want that regime? It's not rational. Well, it's because they haven't evolved as the situation has evolved or recognized it for what it is. We have to hit the pause button here, Walid. but well done, as always, Iran, an imperialistic republic and U.S. policy, a brand new book by Walid Fares. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.